Jesus, just said recording in progress so loud. Hello. Hello. Hey, Nicole. Hi, Josh. How's it going? What, what does your shirt say? Oh, no. It says Ponyo loves ham. It's an anime. I don't know if you've ever seen Ponyo. No, I haven't, but it, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. So, like, that's one of, like, my favorite, um, like, anime movies is Ponyo. Okay. So. Nice. Yeah, I never watched anime until, like, my husband, like, you know, was like, oh, like, you know about... Oh my god, now I forget the guy's name, but he's like this huge Japanese director for like all the major oh my god, I cannot think of his name. That's awful. <laughs> but but this is like my favorite one because he just like loves ham and he gets to eat ham for like the first time. Uh, nice. So <laughs> yeah. It's the face we make every day when we eat like carnivorous foods, basically. It's just like give me all the food. Oh yeah, and I did. I actually did buy ham recently because, like, I like I put the shirt on and I was like, "Oh, I need some ham." <laughs> so it actually, I influenced myself to go get ham. <laughs> so, top, yeah, top. So, it looked like you were at a concert recently. That's yes. exciting. Tell me about that. What was that? So my one of my favorite country bands is Midland. And like they're a little bit more like twangy, like they're not mainstream country. Um, and like I'm just a really big fan, and so is Taylor. And so us and our neighbors went, and it was like literally a hundred degrees. And it was at this like Boise Open, so it's partially partially a golf tournament. And then like after the golf tournament, they do like a concert for charity. Mm -hmm. So like tickets were like twenty five dollars, which is super cheap. Um, and so we had bought tickets like three months ago. Cause obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan mm -hmm. and we were going to go earlier. And then I went outside to walk the dogs and it was a hundred degrees and it was like hot. Like that's like, yeah. it's like the hottest that probably like Amsterdam will ever get like a hundred degrees. I think it's like, it's 40. like 38, 38, 40. Yeah. Yeah. 38 or so. Yeah. Yeah. um so we ended up going like right before like they were supposed to go on this is like our style now we always show up like right before <laughs> like the main act goes on and it was great um you know I had sweat dripping from every single pore of my body and it was actually like beads of sweat were going down my legs I was wearing a dress and I could just feel the sweat down my legs and it was a black dress though so you couldn't see any sweat or anything but it was just so nice to like finally see them. It was my first time seeing them live. Um, and they were great. They sounded great. And it was just a great experience. And I remember like, I'm sober all the time, you know, and like, had I not been pregnant, like I for sure would have had like a couple drinks and, you know, had a good time. <laughs> I still had a really good time, but I will tell you, I was, we didn't eat dinner before we went we go and all the lines are super long. And like, there's only two options, like a sandwich or a hot dog. And so I got this hot dog and it was, excuse my French, it was the biggest wiener I've ever seen. <laughs> like it literally was like the biggest wiener and the bun was like literally like this big. And like, I think at this point it was 830 and I hadn't eaten since like 12 or something. And I'm like, oh God, like I, I need to, I'm just going to eat it. Like I'm just going to eat it and see what happens. And uh, pretty gross, <laughs> but uh but did, did, you, it. did you not feel great after the bun or do you think like um the bun was so small that it more was just meant for me to hold it do you know what i mean like the ratio of bun to to wiener was like bun was like i, I don't even know like the bun was like my pinky and then like the hot dog was my whole hand oh my word like I, that's like the difference yeah, but i feel like that's all like bread is really hey a bun is like i mean what the fuck like it's just yeah. a convenient thing that you hold your your meat in to consume it with and it's like what is this thing no i know and like for me i was just like okay like i probably need the calories it's in the evening that i'm eating some carbs mm. so like i'm not too worried um but that it was just super fun like it was just super fun to go and do that. And it was a huge crowd. And actually what was funny is usually I get um, like pretty bad claustrophobia. Like whenever I've gone to concerts or something, um, I am one of the few, I don't know if I'm a few people, but I'm claustrophobic. Um, and so like, I always, 
get concert tickets next to an exit, like when it's an actual formal sit down one, since this was like an open venue, um, like on a golf course, it was like pretty chill. But I noticed that usually I'll ease into things and I'll have, I'll be a bit anxious and then I'll be like, okay, this is fine, you know? And it's the same thing when I go in a movie theater. It's really weird. <laughs> but like, I was just so relieved that like, I didn't feel any of that anxiety, Yeah, which I think was like pretty cool. I don't know, like my mantra and this will kind of tie into what I want to talk about today. But like, it's kind of just like surrendering, you know, like there's so many things out, out of your control that if you can like get in a place where you can just surrender to what's happening and kind of like get those bad thoughts that you know, most likely won't happen, <laughs> like out of your head. It's just such a better experience of life. Uh, I, I love that. I mean, because obviously in our last episode, I spoke about my experience going to Boom Festival, which is like, it's huge. I mean, if you talk yeah. about it's 40,000 people. Okay, that like makes me a little bit like uneasy. Nicole, honestly, if you if you turn your if, if you're walking on the dance floor and you and you turn for a second and your friends leave you, you're you done. You probably won't see them for the rest of the day until they gallivant back to the campsite. Yeah. But my point is is that I've also felt an extreme level of just seeing that crowd i mean bearing in mind after the the year the, the two years we've had i felt this huge sense of anxiety and i just just said let go just just surrender you hear it's it, it's just this thought that's coming up in your head you know you just have to let go and and so i think we had a similar experience obviously in a different mm -hmm. like level but I agree with you. There's something quite profound in in letting go, and there's also something we've touched on. It, we've touched on it in the past, but again, like you, your goal with healing and using the meat based diet is not to become the next best perfect hyper carnivore that is so perfect that you don't put a foot wrong. You know, your goal is to actually heal to a point where you can go to a Midlands concerts and go and enjoy it and have a hot dog with a bun because you were hungry and then feel okay afterwards, you know, not go on like a binge eating weekend. So I, I don't know, personally, I can't stress that enough. I really can't. Yeah. You, you, the whole point of this is that you can heal. It's not so you can become this perfect, you know, carnivore that most people, most of the influencers that I see are trying. Yeah. <laughs> I like what you say. And I think, because there's so many people like, for example, anxiety, like that is felt by so many different people for so many different reasons um, of different things that trigger it. Mm -hmm. And like, if, if you can get to the point where, you know, your anxiety is even just lessened, right? Like maybe it's not virtually gone, but maybe now you're at the point like me where I recognize that I was like, oh, wow, I usually get anxiety at this point because I'm in a crowd of 4,000 people, mm -hmm. but actually like, I'm just surrendering and giving it like that is a healthy sign of me dealing with, you know, anxiety that I maybe had in the past that was a little bit more elevated, you know, so I feel like we're doing meat based so we can live life. <laughs> we can live life, you know, more true and everything. And I feel like so as you know, right, Josh, like I'm having a natural birth, right. And, you know, there's a lot of I'll just say it. There's a lot of fear mongering and there's like this idea that you need to be medicated to give birth because the pain is just so insufferable. You know, that's kind of like Western culture. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that like there's just such a connection um, in the spiritualness of like giving birth and like it's just it's way beyond pain right? It's like an experience. And I feel like it's kind of been just put out there as like a negative experience. And now I'm reading so much about so much positive experience, <laughs> you know, um, that it's you know, kind of just like opening me up for sure. Before you carry on, like I want you to carry on about the spiritual side, but do you think that the pain, do you think it's been exacerbated by like big pharma and stuff that want to sell you medication and do you think, I don't know, I'm just asking the question, do you think, because it seems like that would be a likely case, but I'm sure there's many other reasons, but 
it seems like this whole birthing process, it's like big pharma and hospitals want you to believe that it's a scary, daunting process that you can't do without them. So therefore you succumb to every measure possible by them. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, so that does make sense. Um, I would say that there are like, so there's a documentary out there called The Business of Being Born. Um, it's the same ladies that did The Business of Birth Control. Mm. So there is definitely, um, you know, having medicated births does, you know, definitely positively impact big pharma, right? Like there's there's money being made, right? And giving birth in a hospital, having a medicated birth, like, I think right now, birth in a hospital in the U.S., just for a normal birth, not a cesarean section or anything like that, is, like, above 15000 mm. Just to go into the hospital, be admitted, and give your baby, like, give birth to your baby vaginally. It's crazy. So, like, there is a business. No, don't get me wrong. There's a business behind that. However, pain, to me, comes from fear. It comes from fear of not knowing. It comes from fear of not letting go. It comes from fear of not thinking that you can do it, right? So I think that the pain that's experienced, like in what I've been reading and everything about people's experience, the more that they try to um, like say, you know what, I don't want to be educated on birth. I want to go into things, you know, not knowing, right? Sometimes that might work for well for people, but what happens is the not knowing creates this fear inside of you. And so you're like, oh, what's happening now? You know, like, I don't know what's actually happening with my body. I'm not in tune with my body. Right. Um, and so there's a, there's a very big level of like preparation when you're doing a natural birth of just mental, emotional, like I've read stories of women who, so what happens is like, you know, your uterus contracts, right? Um, and you start having contractions and these are like more minutes apart and then they get closer and closer together, right? And ultimately what happens is at the bottom of the uterus, the cervix opens and then that goes into the birth canal and then it com- the baby comes out, right? Um, so a lot of people don't know so that process. Well, yeah, so <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. Um, okay. But what happens yeah. is that what I found with a lot of the different stories, because um, I've been reading, like, I probably have read about 40 different birth stories right now um, that vary from, you know, positive to negative experiences, but for the most part, natural um, natural births or attempted natural births, okay? And so what I've learned or gathered is that, like, who you have in the room with you is extremely important. If you have unresolved issues with your partner, like let's say I had an unresolved issue with Taylor, it's going to like restrict me from letting go and opening up because what's really important for that uterus and that cervix is that you're you're like surrendering. Your body has to open up. You have to be very relaxed and open up. So if you have these things that are unresolved that you're dealing with, like some of these women had to go through many therapy sessions <laughs> with their husband while they're giving birth so they could just, so they could open up wow, that's amazing. because you have to get to a certain amount of, you know, dilation yeah. in order for the baby to be able to come out and everything from the cervix. And so it was so crazy. Cause like what would happen is um, this girl was giving birth in a hospital and she was unmedicated and the baby, like literally the, the face was like coming out of her vagina and there was a resident. So a brand new OB doctor, like witnessing it. And he had this look of just absolute terror on his face. Like something was awfully wrong. And he was just terrified because this is his first time seeing a birth. Mm. And what happened is the mom who was giving birth just was so affected by this. The baby shot back in inside her and I ended up breaking one of her ribs so like the mood the vibe Mm. the people that are involved like during your birth process that are with you like you just need like you need solidness you need people that like you're looking in the eyes and you're like I completely trust you Mm. like it, it needs to be so positive and so um like there can't be anything like so for me like I know like I don't want any of my family there because I feel like that'll bring like a stressful layer 
that I don't want, especially since most of my family is like, oh my God, you're doing a natural birth. Like what the hell, <laughs> you know? So I found that super interesting that like who you're around, you know, if you have unresolved things that are going on in your relationship, like it's so weird, but it affects how you can open up and how you can give birth. Mm. That's amazing. Like I can, I can so picture that. And as somebody yeah. who's, I hate to use the word spiritual, but I mean, I am very spiritual you are. and it's just who I am like that. It, it It's part of me, but I mean, from, from, I haven't given birth, but there's many times in a psychedelic experience or a psychedelic ceremony, if you read uh, books from from Hoffman or some of the prominent psychedelic researchers, you can actually have a rebirth experience. You, the, the, the theory is is that you actually experience your birth, and that can be painful because if you had a painful birth as a, <laughs> as a kid, yeah, you can actually re-experience that in the psychedelic experience if you go deep enough. You you actually experience the trauma of birth because birth is a trauma in a way it, you think about it you're coming from the safe haven of your mom's your mom's like environment which is your home you're getting fed to being thrust into this big scary world where oxygen just hits you your blood vessels dilate your heart starts to pound it, it's a scary process i mean i don't know where i was going with the psychedelic side of it but no but i, I will it's, it's, it, it's interesting because you can a bad birth can potentially also have an impact on your biology and the way you experience stress in your life. And I would imagine if you have a natural birth and it's good and the vibes are great, that baby's yeah. probably going to be coming. Yeah. You, you're coming into this world with love, with love, right? You know, and like a spiritual <laughs> connection to your mother. Yeah. So that's the thing is like, you always only hear the bad stories. Like as someone who's yeah. pregnant, people always want to just tell me their bad stories. <laughs> um, and it's also been described to me. The other thing, it's so funny you bring this up birth, like the natural birth process. There's so many different hormones that kick in at different phases um, to like protect us from a certain amount of pain when we're giving birth, but it has been described as euphoric. It's mm. been described also as almost like, I guess, transcendent, right? Like you went into this as a different person. And because you went through this birth experience, you're now a completely different person and you will never be the same. And that's not to say from trauma, that's because you experienced something so, um, so profound so unique, so humbling, so just like um, primal and, and, you know, like you're, you're making these sounds. Like I always read about this. These women are making sounds, guttural sounds <laughs> that they didn't even know they had the possibility of even making. It's just natural and it feels good. So I'm just excited. I feel like I'm about to go. This maybe is weird a little bit, but <laughs> I feel like my birth experience, like I'm getting ready for this trip. I'm getting ready for this experience that's going to change me for the rest of my life. And I'm like, how lucky am I yeah. that I'm, uh, this is what I say, how lucky am I that I'm healthy enough to have a home birth, to have an unnatural medicated, unmedicated birth mm -hmm. um, and be able to experience it. Cause mm -hmm. to me, like in my mind, and I'll say this again and again, like I want to experience it, you know, like if something happens, you know, and like, I have to go to a hospital, that's okay, you know, yeah. but I'm going to set myself up for, you know, having that experience that's positive. Yeah. The, and, and there is something so profound. I, I love what you just said. Like everything you're saying is just resonating with me and I'm not, <laughs> one, I'm not even the one giving birth. Like I'm excited for you. Like, We're connecting. Because, because the modern world has there's a sort of a, a war that's been waged on the the modern parent like you, you most people don't want to have kids and everything that we don't want to do in the modern society now you've sort of got to look at look at and be like okay why don't we want to do that and the uh, from a personal example a, a close uh, f a family um, member of mine has recently given birth 
and I've seen profound changes in, in, in her through motherhood. It's almost as if, why would something we've been doing for millions of years be a scary thing, you know? Why like taboo she, yeah, or taboo. scary or yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely going to change you forever. It's going to be a trip and you don't, you certainly don't need to take a, a psychedelic to have a trip. You know, you can have it yeah. through giving birth or breathing deeply or doing all sorts of things, but like we should be having babies. Like I think the, the, the ultimate, there's nothing, I guess what I'm trying to say is in this corporate society we live in, it's almost seen as you are lowering your standards as a woman to give birth now because you should be climbing the corporate ladder. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? You should be owning no, I get a it. company or something like that. And to me, that is just completely wrong. There is nothing wrong with the separation, so to speak, of roles in society. And it it is beautiful. It, a, a mother is a sacred, it's a sacred gift to mankind. And it's not to say you can't be a mother and pursue your corporate career, but for a period of time, there's no doubt about it. When you give birth, you're gonna have to go through the, 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 the birthing process and you're gonna have to yeah. go through the mothering process that takes time, that takes energy. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And and while that's happening, you're more likely your husband will take over in terms of, you know, providing in some way. Uh, Sebastian Younger has a great book on this in Tribe, but I connect with that. Like there is nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I, and I think that the taboo nature of it needs to be thought about differently it's a pri like you said it's a primal experience you're going to be well, screaming and making noises remember you have to remember too like the corporate machine and everything yeah. like the whole point like why people want you to move out of your house when you're 18 years old right is so that you can pay a mortgage you can have a different job and pay more taxes and all that stuff it's like at the end of the day like i'll tell you this like i am extremely work motivated i have a career and the breadwinner for our household and I really enjoy it. However, if I had the opportunity to choose between being a stay-at-home mom for the rest of my life and give up my cushy job, 100%, I would choose to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. Like, I think that there's, it's just lost. It's honestly lost. It's, I think it's lost on millennials. I think it's lost on Gen Z that like the importance of having a home, the importance of having um, a mother figure that's there all the time. And it's like, like, if you think about it, it's like, what's, what's more important, like being there for the first three years of your, you know, kid's life or like working a job, like relentlessly, mm -hmm. you know, like it, it's kind of like, what are you watering or whatever? But I, I think it's like, if you're a stay at home mom, I think that's freaking amazing. That is a hard job. And that is something that's so important for your child. So like, I wish <laughs> that that was the case and that I could do that for sure. Cause I'd be like, sign me up. All right, done deal. Yeah. I feel like this is probably an unpopular opinion, but I feel like feminism has convinced us that it's empowering to have to grind and work a nine to five and mm -hmm. also provide as a female. And like, I feel like I could be, at home, you know, just taking care of my kids, living a simpler life. And so I just feel like it's kind of this, I don't know, like it's the same thing with birth control. Like, oh, I'm going to, you know what, birth control is empowering. It's like, well, why is it empowering? It's empowering because you can have sex with whoever you want and not get pregnant. And then you're like, no how is no that? Consequence to your action. No, no, yeah. And it's like, so that's the empowerment that I'm getting from this, that I can't get pregnant. I can have sex with whoever I want. And then I'm like, no one wants to tell you how is it empowering to have who you are altered to have who you're attracted to altered to not even know who you are because you're being messed up by all these hormones you know and they're also a class one carcinogen like it's just how is that and i just always think about this like how is that and like how is birth cult birth control empowering like having sex with whoever you want is not empowering you know like having control over your mind and body and like who you're attracted to and not putting carcinogens in your body, like that is empowering, you know, like not having to be put on a drug to like, I don't know. It just, it really frustrates me that that's kind of like this like empowering thing is like, oh, you work a nine to five, like that's empowering for a woman. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, well, maybe I don't, maybe that's not empowering for me. Yeah. Maybe I want to be a stay at home mom. Maybe that's what empowers me. It's kind of like this one, I don't know. I'm just tired of the narrative. Like it's just one shoe fits all, Mm. but like, that's not the case. Like people are so different, you know? Yeah. And like people don't want to take responsibility basically like with anything it's your decisions are going to like whatever decision you make it's going to impact on the the thousand other decisions you could have made you know what i'm saying it's like so your choice to do a certain thing is is rendering all the other choices you know not available just by the sheer choice of you choosing that in the moment uh and we, we're not suffering from like a lack of in modern society. I had this conversation with a friend the other day, like modern society, especially in Europe and things like I, living here has opened my eyes up to the way things are in, in the Western world. I mean, South Africa is still like, you know, like we've got one foot in, in the first world, one foot in the third world. Um, it's kind of chaotic, but yeah, people, people make it work. But here it's like, there's a price you pay for constantly wanting things to be easy and yeah i feel like you choosing this natural birth is a choice it, it it's a choice to not go the easy route but for some reason it's kind of the choice that feels most rooted and most grounded it's like kind of like i make the choice every day to i don't necessarily have to eat meat like i do yeah i mean yeah i make the choice to do it because i just feel better i make the choice to meditate it's not easy but i I choose to do that because if it grounds me at the end and it's not easy you know many times i sit in the cushion and my mind is just racing and yeah going through thoughts after thoughts after thoughts and and that's the point of it. It's just noticing that. But but that difficult that difficult choice leads me to a, a more uh, productive day, a, a peaceful day. So yeah, again, I I I I really implore you, and it's amazing what you're doing to to, to choose to do that. And yeah, I did want to add because you said something important for choice. So I think that actually my bone to pick comes out that you, it's almost like for birth control, you don't have a choice other than getting on birth control, right? Like no one's telling you what your other options are that you can naturally, you know, um, like you can, you can just track your cycle naturally. You can take your temperature, you know, stuff like that. So I think that's my biggest issue. Why I think that having only one option is not empowering. That's basically someone convincing you and brainwashing you to do something as the only choice that makes sense and so then you take it to birth and you're like oh you know what for the western world like really the only way to do your birth is in a hospital you know like that's 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 your option right um and if you veer away from that like there is another option home birth right there's birthing centers right kind of an in-between option between the hospital and you know a home birth so it's like my issue that i feel like none of this empowers me is when someone's not giving me a choice when someone's not giving me options Mm -hmm. i feel empowered when i have options you know when someone's explaining to me like the full side effects or someone's telling me like, Hey, these are all the ingredients going into this shot for you. (laughs) Like that's, that's information, you know? So I think when you say you choose to meditate, right. Um, It's like, you have to, and like the same thing, you choose to eat meat because it like suits you better. It's like, people don't know about these options. They only think that, Hey, these new standards coming out from the FDA on what I can eat or what I have to follow, you know? So it's just, they make you think you don't have a choice, which I think is now that I'm realizing it, that's my biggest, (laughs) um, that's my biggest, I think, qualm with it all. So how much do you know, you might be putting in the spot now, but how much do you know about the natural way of making sure you don't get pregnant, like following your cycles? How much do you know about that for anybody that's interested? Probably a good amount because I did it for, so I tracked my cycles and everything while I was on birth control for about five years. So I will, I would always track my period 
I would always track when I had sex. Um, maybe even five years, shoot. Um, and so I would know that. However, if you're on birth control, you don't ovulate, right? So when I, when I tell people like, hey, you know how I'm always on social media, like birth control is the worst, get off birth control, blah, blah, blah. Like there are things that you can do, right? The first thing is that you would get a tracker. There's tons of free tracker apps where basically this you would record. Control now, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to get off birth control, yes, these are like yes. the steps I would do. Okay. So step one to getting off birth control is get off of it. <laughs> um, step two is um, you're going to want to find an app that tracks your period and will track your ovulation, et cetera. Right. So get that app, start tracking your period. The third thing is that I would actually test, especially if you've been on birth control for a long time. I was on it for 15 years. And when I got off, I was really concerned whether or not I ovulated because what'll happen sometimes is it'll take a really long time for people to start ovulating again. If you don't ovulate, you can't get pregnant because that's when the actual egg drops and ovulation usually occurs around 14 to 16 days of your period cycle. Like your, I guess your monthly cycle, right? So your period is like day one of when, when a new cycle begins, period lasts, you know, four to five days. When you're at like day 15, that's when the, the egg actually drops. And that's literally what starts the window of like you being able to get pregnant. Technically you can have sex like one or two days before you ovulate and sperm can live up to like, I think two to three days or something. <laughs> so, I mean, like there technically is like four or five days during like a month cycle for a woman where you can get pregnant. Um, but like the biggest thing is that, you know, what I said, the third thing, get an ovulation test, see if you're even ovulating, start testing yourself on day 10 of your cycle through like day 18. Cause some people it'll be a little bit messed up, mm. but first see if you're ovulating, right? Because you have no idea when you're on birth control, if you ovulate, because that goes away completely, right? You don't ovulate when you're on birth control, right? You're not doing your natural thing. So the first thing I tell people is that if you get off birth control, give it a couple months, test to see if you're ovulating, right? Cause if you're not ovulating after a certain amount of time, that is an issue. What happens is that like me, I went off birth control when I was 29. Cause I was like, you know what, in the next year or so, I want to have a baby. So I want to get ahead of this, right? There was a high chance that I would get off birth control <laughs> and not ovulate and then have to go through the road of seeing different doctors and figuring out how we can get my body to ovulate so I can actually conceive. Cause you fucked so, the cycle up so hard. Yes. Bit, yeah. 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 So it does take a while to like regulate and come back. But there are some people where it doesn't come back. You know, they end up having fertility issues um, because they've been on this for so long and it's messed up their hormones so much. Um, I know people that have gone off birth control and they end up bleeding for 30 days straight. <laughs> um, just their body's response. Or I have people that get off of it and they don't have their period for a couple months. So I've heard, you know, from both. Um, but the craziest thing is that this is like the biggest one you could get off birth control and because it changes the smells that it alters who you're attracted to okay so if you're on birth control for six years and you get off birth control and you've been with the same guy and all of a sudden you get off birth control and you're like no longer attracted to that guy we got bigger issues than trying to make a baby right we now have an issue of oh my god the person i thought i was going to spend the rest of my life with I can't stand the smell of him anymore. <laughs> like that to me is like the biggest thing. So I say, ladies, get off birth control as soon as you can, because one, you want to find out first, are you still attracted to your partner? Right. That's a big one Two, get that natural, just app to track your cycles. Three tests during, you know, for ovulation. Um, and the way, you know, to avoid getting pregnant if you're worried is, one condoms <laughs> or two pull out or three avoid having sex during that you know fertile window because like once you find out something days actually yeah like it's like a week to yeah, be safe yeah. like it's like about a week to be safe but again like if you're not testing your ovulation like that would be my number one thing get off get off birth control and test for when you ovulate mm -hmm. right like track your cycle you know track those things mm -hmm. because um that's gonna be your way of adopting to things first mm. and like finding out oh shit 
I've been off birth control for a year and I actually still don't ovulate. Mm. Like something is up, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the, it's like the new smoking really. Hey, it's like, yeah. this, this is becoming like a revelation now. Like people are realizing how fucked up it is. And the more you speak about it, the more I think like, what the fuck? Like it, yeah. I'm not even a woman, but I can just picture the, the, the impact that, that it has on you. Like it can't be good for you. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I think about it, Josh, all the time. I wonder, like, I wonder how different of a person I might've been in my life. And I wonder if certain issues I have with depression, anxiety, like I constantly wonder for 15 years, that's like who I thought I was. And now that I went off of it, I like, I know who I am now. And that I feel like that was not me. And that's not a cop out to say that for any bad thing I've done or, you know, any shitty way I felt like, you know, I was on birth control, yeah. like it's fine. But like, Nicole, uh, that was Nicole on birth crazy control. birth control bitch sister. <laughs> but here's the thing like I do like I do believe that so ladies like if you are like not ready to have kids that's fine hmm. get off birth control still though because you might find out that you are no longer attracted to your husband or attracted to your partner or, and like luckily just, that yeah, yeah luckily that did not happen to me but there was, I will say this, there was a level of annoyance when Taylor would do something that wasn't there before. I swear to God, like he would do something that he'd always done. And I'd be like, like, why are you doing that? Like, ugh. so there was like kind of like a shorter, um, shorter fuse, you know? Yeah. Like a shorter fuse or something. Yeah. Well, 15 you know? years is a long time to have something alter your hormones. It's, it's no doubt going to have a, a bit of a, an effect that will might last you a few years before you actually back to your yeah pr primal self. Let's say well, that. also like, Josh, we forgot about this, but the libido thing. Yeah. So birth control lessens your libido. And when you get off of it, it's like, <laughs> like I am. <laughs> hello. Hello. Wow. I want to have wow. sex all the time. Like this is crazy. So that, that is also just reason enough. Cause like there's some people too that you'll probably talk to. And, you know, I feel like there was bouts where I just didn't want to, mm. you know, and like, that's okay that that happens but like this birth control man it's out it of goes, control it goes hand in hand we've spoken about it a lot like health happiness you know horny hungry yeah all of these things all of these like primal things play a role in your life and if one is not functioning you know if you're not at least hungry like once a day like where you you feel hunger something could be off, you know, because you could be, I, I don't know if, if you're not, like you said, your libido is not going at least once a week or whatever, something could be off. You know, if you're not feeling these moments, you, we're not perfect creatures, but if you're not feeling moments of, I wouldn't say, listen, happiness is a loaded term and so is joy. But yeah. if you're not feeling a level of a, a veil of peace every now and again, where you're like, wow, I'm actually grateful for what I have. Something's a bit, off you know you sh these are things that make us human and not to make it anybody wrong if you're not feeling that way but it's just something to think about you know it's it's yeah those things that we forget and totally and i actually one of my friends one of my good friends she got off birth control she finally was like hey you convinced me <laughs> i got off of it and i am like a whole different she's like i'm just a whole different person hmm. and i'm like fuck Yes. Like if I can convince like one person from this to get off, that is a win. It's like, oh, it's so nice. There's a comedian going around right now, like saying like she wants to get off birth control because she wants to meet herself. Mm. And a girl stands up from the audience and was like, oh, yeah, I got off birth control. And she goes, well, what happened to you when you got off? And she goes, oh, I broke up with my boyfriend of six years because I was disgusted by his smell. <laughs> I'm like i'm like textbook <laughs> like oh this yeah. this yeah so oh gosh and, and it, must but, be, yeah. it must be scary like yeah if you are used to taking something like that it, it would be like being on antidepressants or something you know there is mm -hmm. a you've got to expect some sort of a i don't know some some 
major change to take place, you know, whether good or bad, but it's all for the better. You know, if you do yeah. you are repulsed by your boyfriend after going off them, then, Hey, maybe there's something there. Maybe yeah, it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And there's nothing totally. wrong with that, but yeah. Totally. And so I just say like, if you're single, get off of it now. So then like you yeah. can actually be attracted to the right person and not like waste you know, time with the wrong person that when you do get off birth control, you're going to be like, get away from me, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know, but that, yeah, like birth control, man, like that there is a, also the documentary, the business of birth control. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've like linked some podcasts that talk about it and then like revert back to it and stuff. Um, and it's just very, very interesting. Once again, big pharma, <laughs> Yeah, they really, uh, Big Pharma always puts human lives first. They don't care about money. You know, they're they're very respectable. Um, yeah, you know, they they just really care about you and your health. And they don't want to hide any information. They, you know. No, no, why, why yeah. would you? Why would you? I mean, no, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. But but that, that, that's been super interesting for me. I, I kind of want to keep this a birth control episode like i kind of don't want to speak but i think it was so informative <laughs> like, yeah but but is there is there anything else you want to add to the episode in in terms of um so i guess like one more thing just to clarify is that like so after a year of being carnivore is when i decided to go off birth control hmm. and i felt like i felt empowered I felt more in tune with my body than I ever had being carnivore for that long. And that was pretty strict carnivore, right? Um, so I think that that may be, because you hear horror stories also, like I hear a lot of people saying that they don't want their cystic acne to come back because their birth control covered it up. And I say to them and I say, well, if you have cystic acne that comes back up, you need to address that and find out what's causing that. Birth control is really just a Band-Aid that doctors give people. So a lot of people you'll talk to, their main reason for being on birth control that I've found is that it's not because they don't want to you know, not get pregnant. That's part of it. But their main reason is something else. Their main reason is I have extremely bad cramps or I have endometriosis or I have... Mm. I have really bad acne. The acne thing comes up all the time. And so then they have a fear of going back off of it because they think their acne is going to come back. And I tell them that, hey, you know what? You're probably going to get acne. It's going to come back. You've been using a Band-Aid for years to cover it up. But now you need to go to a fun functional you know, doctor, I'd recommend, and find out what is causing the cystic acne because that's going to be a food allergy. That's going to be your gut right? That's going to be something else going on that birth control has just been covering up for years. So that's like the main, I guess, reason why like women don't want to get off of it, I think, is because it's it's helping to lessen a symptom they have that those doctors have not looked in. They just been, ah, we'll put you on birth control. It'll make your cramps less, right? Mm, yeah. They're not looking if there's ovarian cysts. They're not looking if they're not looking at your diet or lifestyle or anything. <laughs> they just being told from uh, the company that comes in with any medication, whether it's birth control or statins or, but they just get told like he has a pamphlet. You know how to read. This is what it yeah. does. Uh, prescribe this medicine, and it, doctors don't have time. I hate to say it. They do have time. I'm just saying that they don't have time because they're shoving as many patients in as possible because we're facing an epidemic of sick people. But they, in general, they don't have time to go and read up the latest studies on birth control because also the studies are are hidden. Probably like they're not in the 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 mainstream yeah, of uh, course meds and things like that. You would have to you have to know dig. You'd have to dig and find the stuff up, and then even then, it's just going to get pushed down because you know there's forces that are beyond but but if, if like you said again if you if you're a doctor and you're a person and you just think with your rational mind like do you really believe that any sort of pill or something that changes your hormones or lowers something as vital as cholesterol do you, do you think that is going to give long-term benefit i know like any rational person can't believe that surely so here's the thing Josh, is most people believe the government, big pharma has the best intentions, right? Most people believe if there's a food on the shelf, right, it must be okay for you to consume. 
right? Um, so that's like 90% of people, maybe. Maybe that's being a bit too, maybe I'm not giving people enough credit. Maybe that's like 80% of people. I don't know. But you have to remember like that is what we've been conditioned to believe. That's that's what we, since we're born, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's literally like most of us are born into this world on an epidural, which has fentanyl in it. We're literally born into this world on drugs, mm. right? Like I just, it's it's just, this is like the never ending cycle of big pharma controlling everything. And then also not having the information for people to make decisions for themselves. I was actually just going back and forth with a friend and, you know, like we were talking about the number of people that were vaccinated, uh, the number of pregnant women that were vaccinated and how the data showed that Pfizer released that 44% of vax, sorry, 44% of pregnant women who received the COVID Pfizer vaccine, 44% their babies ended up in miscarriage, right? And what Pfizer did in my issue is that as a pregnant woman, I want to see this data. Not saying that like everyone's just like trying to get, you know, COVID vaccines while they're pregnant, but still there's still people that say, hey, I want to give you this while you're pregnant or this, you know, I'm going to give you this while you're pregnant. And especially back in 2020, they were pressuring pregnant women to do this but my issue was not more so saying like oh you're gonna have a miscarriage if you got the vaccine at some point my issue was that this information had to be dug up it had to be court ordered released uh, for Pfizer to put out their trial information about this data and then what they did is even though it was released um, they then said they categorized miscarriages as adverse side effects that had since been resolved that's what they categorized a miscarriage so that's my biggest issue is that like sure like you know maybe there's some things where you want to make a decision but if you don't have all the information how are you supposed to make an informed decision especially when big pharma wants to hide this information from getting out like it's just it's so infuriating and it's so frustrating you know because as a pregnant woman during 2020 I would love to have seen this information, <laughs> but they didn't want to release their trial information on that. You know, like if there's any possible chance that, you know, something may influence me losing a child, right? Or like having a miscarriage, like when the baby's actually in your stomach right now, like I don't want anyone to touch me with anything. Like I don't want any medications or anything near me, right? Um, and then the whole other thing is you have to find the ingredients. So I would just say that my biggest issue with big pharma is that they try to hide information that's critical to your decision-making process. If you want to do something, if you want to get the vaccine, cool. If you don't cool, but can we at least see all of the information <laughs> so I can make a decision, you know, and can it be yeah, publicized on mainstream media? That would be great as well. Oh, that will never happen, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. it's out there. Yeah. No, that's that's very interesting. I, I certainly found a lot of value in listening to that myself. Um, yeah, it's super super helpful. I'm sure I'm sure many people will have similar questions that you've answered. Um, but is there anything else that you want to touch on since we're on this whole birth control slash birthing episode? No, <laughs> episode. just. Uh... Just know all know all your choices before you make a decision. Just know that there's not one path. You know, things are different. And um, you know, try to try to embrace yourself with positive birth experience stories because those are the ones that are so empowering and they actually get me excited and make me like visualize. <laughs> like every night I feel like I visualize like going into labor and giving birth. And it's very therapeutic, you know, because I'm kind of like cheering myself on that I can do it. Um, but also this is the book I highly recommend reading this book um, it's Ina May's guide to childbirth and there's just so there's like about a hundred different stories um, as half the book and then the other half is explaining in depth the um, you know childbirth process and everything like that dealing with pain emotions um, and just other things that people should definitely do to get ready whether you're going to give birth in a hospital or not and are you still um, diet wise? Are you are you still same same vibe similar? What's happening diet wise? So it's mostly meat right now. <laughs> um, 
So basically like the goal is, um, and this is for any person that's pregnant to try to get 80 grams of protein per day. Mm. Right. Um, so I have ventured out to, uh, Greek yogurt and strawberries in the evening. I find that that is really good. And the Greek yogurt, the high fat one is very high in like protein. Mm. Right. So that's like a great snack later in the evening. Um, but I'm actually doing right now, I do my bulletproof coffee, you know, and then uh, for breakfast, I have um, two raw eggs, like one half cup of raw milk, one third cup of water. And then I put in one like scoop of this protein powder by Primal Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, and like, I love the ingredients that Primal Kitchen uses in this. And I've tried a lot of different protein powders. Like I usually get the I don't want the ones that are not beef. Like I don't want, I don't want whey protein or anything else. Mm. So I always get the grass fed bovine, um, like as my protein. Right. So it's, it's, is it coll- it's collagen, hydrolyzed collagen. Yeah. Yes yes. 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 So I always get that. And I actually have a new one that's on my way. That's small batch made by this girl in LA, <laughs> um, which is like small batch. Like um, it's literally grass fed bovine. Um, and so I'm going to try that too, but like I, the primal kitchen one, that's like the collagen, like chocolate one mm-hmm. that is literally the, and it's with like monk fruit, not stevia. That is literally like the only one that is like somewhat decent to me. Okay. Like, and I love that for breakfast because then I, I get my eggs and I think it's like almost 30 grams of protein mm-hmm. and just in better, that. It's better than having the the wheat the the the, the, the toast stuff, yeah, the toast and stuff you're having hey. oh god yeah. yeah and also i will say you're gonna love this but i think that i'm starting to see a little bit of the cellulite that we were talking about that kind of like globed on i feel like i'm seeing that a little bit get better you okay. know and but i i still think it'll be like a post um post-pregnancy thing because um you know you really need that extra fat especially for breastfeeding Definitely. Yeah. but um yeah like that's that's my jam i'll probably put up the recipe soon of like <laughs> how i do like my protein thing and nice. taylor liked it but yeah like it's just so it's so easy and um, yeah so yeah 80 grams of protein minimum a day if you're pregnant minimum yeah yeah you need to feed you feeding for two building blocks yeah well this is super fun um, super hot hot and heavy episode <laughs> I really enjoyed it um, but y'all please remember to like subscribe comment it does go a long way and until the next one. Oh yeah can't wait to see what that's gonna be about <laughs> <laughs> bye